that are visiting today. Lord, be with us. Um, be, with, be with us all. Protect our military, our first responders. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all you do. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Once again, good morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Luke chapter 15. Um, we're going to be in the 25th verse of Luke chapter 15. Uh, I'll go ahead and while y'all are looking, I'll kind of set this up a little bit. Uh, this is the parable of the lost son. And we've heard it a thousand times, I know. Uh, but I'm focusing on the last part. Uh, of the parable, uh, I want to focus on the brother, uh, the the elder brother who never left, who never ran away, who never did any of that. Uh, and I want to ask you a question before I get started: Is there ever a time when faithfulness is wrong? And I don't know that that's that's a broad question. Uh, uh, it, it, you know, the elder brother proved in this, when I read the scripture, uh, that his attitude about faithfulness to be wrong in at least three ways. And so we're going we're gonna to discuss this. Uh, so I'm going to try my best to, to explain this and to uh, uh, expand into this. And hopefully uh, we'll, uh, we'll be able to, to see this in a different light. And because... I know for a fact that it has applied to me in my life. And so I'm sure if this happened to me, it's probably happened to, to some of y'all. So starting in verse 25, it says, Now the elder son was in the field, and uh, as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was very angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out, and um, entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, all these many years I do I serve thee? Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thy never commanded, uh, and yet at any time of thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid 
that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as, uh, as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living and harlots, and uh, had last killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I love you and I thank you for this day. Lord, I ask you to open this scripture up to us. Lord, I ask you to give me the ability to be able to expound on this and explain this. Lord, I love you and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. To see, the elder brother proved that his attitude about faithfulness was wrong in at least three ways. Number one, he felt that it should excuse a spirit of haughtiness. Have you ever had a spirit of haughtiness? Have you ever thought that because you did this and you did that and because I've done this that, that it should my attitude should be excused? The fact that, that I am upset because someone else who, in my view hasn't done anything in the world, has had and received an honor that I should have received. Now think about that. Think about that. You ever been in a position at your job and somebody got promoted over you who was, for, and we all know that there are folks out there who, for lack of a better term, I'm going to use a military half step. They let the minimum be the maximum and yet they take credit off of everybody else's work. What does that do to morale? What does that do to the good workers? They pile it on the good workers and yet those that don't do a whole lot, they're the ones that seem to get the glory and the raising and the gravy. Uh, and so it brings an attitude about it, a haughtiness like, why? You know, and then that folks can't understand why you're upset. They can't understand why you get upset about this because... We feel like that our obedience and our servitude should justify our attitude. Never. Our obedience and our servitude to God will never justify our attitude. We're supposed to be Christ-like at every turn. And it's hard. It's hard. We're, 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 we're broken people. Very broken. And so it's hard for us. It says now his elders, he was, he was in the field. He didn't even know what was going on. He was working, doing what his father had commanded him to do. And it said, and he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. And he said unto him, thy brother is come and thy father hath killed a fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. Now you remember, his brother asked for his, asked for his, inheritance which was the same thing as him claiming to, to his father that the younger brother was claiming, proclaiming to his father that he was dead because you don't receive an inheritance unless someone dies and so off he goes and we know the story and he came back you know and right verses before this the father seen him coming from afar off and ran girded up his clothes and ran which was something that was unheard of at that time it was unheard of in that time that, that a grown man in the middle of the day would gird his clothes up and take off running they had dignity you know you're only supposed to move at a certain pace 
He felt that it should excuse the spirit of hatefulness. He hated his brother. He hated his brother for leaving and leaving him there. See, he was the oldest. Everything was coming to him to start with. And he was by law obligated to stay. And so his spirit of traveling and, and going about was crushed. Because he couldn't. He couldn't. He was the oldest son. Everything came to him. Remember how the, how, how the genealogy worked? So not only was he haughty in the spirit because he had been obeyed, but he was also hateful because of the position that he was born in, which he had no control over, put him in a position to where he could not adventure out and see the world or whatever. So it, it, not only was he prideful about it, but he was hateful. He was hateful. Listen at the tone that he talked to his father in. I have not I served you all these years? Have not I done everything you've commanded? And yet you have never gave me a kid, a goat, a baby goat to even have merry with my friends? He feels like he's been taken advantage of. He feels like that he's not received anything. And the father has to remind him, Lord, all I have, son, all I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. But this was lost. Your brother was lost. He was dead. And now he comes home. He's found. He's alive and he's found. And so he thinks that his attitude and his faithfulness will cover his haughtiness and his hatefulness. He felt that it would excuse a spirit of, of heartlessness. See, there's three H's that he was guilty of. Haughtiness, hatefulness, and heartlessness. He had no compassion for his brother. He even had no compassion for his father. Think about this. I haven't experienced this. And I hope that I don't. But there's a lot of parents who've experienced the loss of a child. And they say it's terrible. It is terrible. My mother has. I've watched it change her attitude. Think about this father had lost his son by choice. The son chose to forsake everything and leave. And he, reaching the bottom of the barrel, decides to return home. And he come home with an attitude of he was going to serve his father as a slave so that he could the basics of life. The bottom of the barrel. He didn't, you know, he was cleaning a pig pen. A Jewish child or a young man cleaning a pig pen. You know, the Pharisees had had so many laws to the purification process that it was a burden for them to keep. And no good Jew at all would ever be caught near swine. And yet this man was slopping the hogs and cleaning the hog pen. And having to eat hog slop to survive. And he came to himself and he returned home. We know that. 
But his father, his father forgave him, ran and met him and, met him and forgave him and had a great banquet. So this is the third of three parables in this book, in this chapter. And all of them were about the lost being redeemed. That which was lost was found. It starts out the first with the, with the sheep. Him leaving the 99 and going after the one. And most folks don't even, they just skip over that. Why would he leave the 99? Well, you won't ever understand it until you're the one. When you're the one sheep that Jesus found, when you're the one sheep that he picked up and put on his shoulders and carried on his shoulders back because you wandered off. The other one, I believe, is about a coin that somebody lost. And they found it and they, they cream, telling us that we're the light. You know, Jesus found us. Every human being on earth is findable. All they have to do is listen to the call of Jesus. And then the next one is, if you are lost, he will, he will search you out. And when they find you, they have a celebration. In the first parable, we should celebrate every person that comes to Christ. The second parable, when we find that which is lost, we should celebrate it, have a party. And here, he did exactly those two things. The prodigal son, he ran off and he come back. Father received him, had a great party. But those around us, those in the family who, well, I've been here doing everything I'm supposed to do. Get an attitude. Not only because they're jealous that he went off, but they're jealous of the fact that their father received them with no questions asked. How many of us have received our children back with no questions asked? I have. I have. My oldest daughter posted a post. One year and five months yesterday. Sober. Drug free. Amen. Amen. That which was lost is found and came back. It's, it's good to have a conversation with somebody that's got clear eyes. It's good to have a conversation when they, they say things that, for lack of a better term, I'm just that they say stuff that is just plumb stupid. Uh, but they do that. But it's great that they can do that because before, when they made those statements, it wasn't them making them. They were under the influence of a drug. They were under the influence of a habit that was demonic in nature. And so... This father, he's glad his son has come home. Now, we don't know the rest of the story. We, he gave, gave him a cloak and gave him a ring and let him know he's back in the family. We don't know what position he wound up holding. And we don't know how the dynamics between the older brother and the younger brother played out. I'm sure one was overwhelmed with gratitude. And it's starting to look like the other one would be overwhelmed with grief and anger. We should welcome anyone who's been lost. 
We should have our time to celebrate those who were out there. Think about these things. We've all heard them. Ah, don't pay any attention to that person. They're a junkie. Don't pay any attention to that person. Don't give them no money. Don't, they're an alcoholic. I don't, don't do this, do that. They won't work. They're just living off the land. They're homeless by choice. Every one of those folks out there today, tomorrow, that have been yesterday, they had a mom and they had a dad that probably had siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles, friends. They're not useless, faceless human beings. This son here, the prodigal, he was not a faceless human being. He was to the world because he blew his money. He blew his stature. He had a good time. Went by that song, Easy Come, Easy Go. And wound up destitute. Most of us have been broke, but I don't think many of us have ever been destitute. Destitute is when you only have what's on your body. Nowhere to lay it down. And no means of advancing that situation. This young man was destitute and he came home. Now we don't know how long it took him to get home. We don't know how he scrounged and what he scrounged to get home. How many, if he did any work so he could survive and get a meal to make it home. Doesn't tell us all that. But what it does tell us that his brother was upset. His brother was upset. Haughtiness. That's a terrible attitude to have. It's kind of like uh, self-righteousness. I have mine. Have you ever run into those folks who, who don't want the church to grow because I've got my salvation and things change. I don't know that I'll be able to be in the pecking order where I'm at or, or what. You know, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, they're the ones that don't want to share the gospel because I have mine, not my calling. That, we have religious terms to get out of doing what God's called us to do. That's not my calling. Well, I beg to differ. Every one of us are called to share the gospel. Period. He tells us to make disciples of the nations. He tells us to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them all that He commanded. And then He tells us, I am with you. Even until the end of the age. So there's no need for us to be self-righteous, holier than thou, whatever terms you want to use, is wrong. And if you're praying and the Lord tells you you need to go do this to so-and-so, you're probably wrong too. If it's not coming alongside somebody and helping lifting them up, if it's not coming along somebody, beside somebody and, and, and putting your arms around and loving on them and helping them do what they got to do, it's probably wrong. Now, does that mean that you don't get the opportunity to say, look, this is where you're at. 
and we want to get here, let me help you come along with prayer and, and, and friendship and love. I think the biggest thing I see in the hatefulness part of it is today. Today, you have people who hate people who sin different than they do. It's okay for the Lord to look over my sin, but, you know, yes, I'm a sinner, but I didn't do that. Or, yes, I'm a sinner, and I don't want nobody to know I did that. We're all sinners. There's no degree of sin. Every one of our sins, whether it's a great big one or a little bitty one, lead to death. The wages of sin is death. Nowhere does it say that, well, I did a little sin. They're just going to chop my fingers off. No. Death. It doesn't matter what it is. And if you use the Ten Commandments, I've used this before, I'm going to use it again. If the Ten Commandments was a big chain with ten links in it and you're hooked to the tenth link and it swings out over the Grand Canyon, does it matter which one of those sins you break? The results are the same. Death. But hatefulness. I mean, you hate somebody that God created. That's powerful stuff. It's almost, it's almost as idiotic as atheism. And when you put atheism in the right context, it's left, way left of Satan. See, the Bible tells us that even the demons believed and shook. Satan knows who God is. And you got an atheist over here outside of that? He don't believe in any of it? I don't know if that's where I want to be. That's a terrible place to be. You don't even believe the demons. <laughs> and they were created by God. Hatefulness, terrible thing, grows in your heart. We can hate the actions of people. We cannot hate the people. We can't. All this crazy stuff that's going on around today where you can be what you want to be. And you have people standing up there. What, what thrills or what shocks me is we have Christians holding signs using derogatory remarks to describe the folks that they're trying to save. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. You expect them to just fall down on their knees in front of you because you called them that? And because you're telling them that God loves them? Well, if God loves them, you ain't got to put that sign up there. You ain't got to put those words on the sign. Show them that God loves them by putting your arm around them. Engage them in conversation. Don't tell them they're going to hell. That ain't the time to tell them. But tell them there's a better way. Tell them what God's done in your life for your sins. Because I can tell you right now, every one of us has them. Every one of us. 
And most of us have them more than we like to admit. And if you think you've arrived, just wait. You're going to find out that that old self is just right under that top layer of skin. I think we got, what, seven layers, eight layers of skin? I can't remember. It's been 50-some years since I was in school. There's a bunch of layers of skin, and right the second layer is where the old self is at. It don't take much to get it to come out. And he felt that his faithfulness should excuse his spirit of heartlessness. He wouldn't even go in to see his brother. We have folks here today who have folks around them that are hurting and seeking for Christ and we won't even walk across the street to greet them. We have folks today who are begging and looking for Jesus and yet, like Jesus said, the harvest is great. The laborers are few. The laborers are few. There's an awakening going on in this country right now. And it's going on across this whole country. It's happening everywhere. People are being saved. People are coming to the realization that, that God is alive. Old venues and new venues are being filled to the gills. People searching out. Young folks, old folks searching out God. Something is happening. They sense something's coming. They sense something's coming. And so the question I leave you today. Has your faithfulness been wrong? Do you have an attitude of haughtiness or hatefulness or heartlessness? Are we motivated by these three H's? You know, we're going to give an account. We're going to give an account for our lives before Jesus. And our, going to, our attitudes and our most deepest secrets are going to be laid bare. So I'm going to ask a question. Who is here today or in a church somewhere today because of you who's not what do we need to do about that as we go about this week the kingdom of heaven is near if you've not made a profession of faith today's the day we're not promised tomorrow and I get reminded of that more and more as I see folks that I'm acquainted with Pass on. We're not promised the next minute. We don't know when the Lord's coming back. Are we ready? Are you ready? Do you, without a shadow of a doubt, know where you're going to spend eternity? There's only two places. And even the atheist is going to be in one of them. You're either going to spend eternity in heaven in the presence of God Almighty or you're going to spend it in hell in the presence of Satan and his minions. The decision is completely yours. God will call you and you have to determine for yourself are you going to accept him or reject him? The decision's yours. Your mother can't do it for you. Your father, your brothers and sisters, your aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas. They cannot do it for you. 
This is the one thing in life that you have to get right on your own. Don't wait another minute. Don't. Eternity is too long to describe. And if you think this being here is long, life in general is nothing but a breath, a vapor. Short, very short. Eternity, there's no end. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I love you and I thank you for this day. And Lord, I ask you to check our attitudes. Lord, I ask you to touch the hearts that are here that no one, no one exit this building, Lord, without being made right with you. Whether they've been a Christian for a long time and just feel they need a boost. Or Lord, whether they, they've been a Christian for a long time and they've been dragging these burdens that you freed them from. Today's the day, Lord, for them to drop those bags at the cross and walk free and light and put on your yoke that is light. Lord, if there's someone here today who's never made a profession in faith, that today would be it. That they would accept you as their Lord and Savior and they would secure their future in eternity. Lord, I love you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.